This is Generation Justice, a multimedia project that trains youth to harness the power of media. I'm Mohtaj Javid. And I'm Ladella Awad. Tonight, we're looking at the policy and practices to keep our community healthy and safe. We'll hear about the Healthy Workforce Ordinance by speaking to Andrea Serrano, Executive Director of Olay Organizers in the Land of Enchantment. We'll learn how the ordinance can impact families with Mbambi David Wam, founder of PCNS, a local home health agency. Marian Mendez of El Centro de Igualdad y Derechos will be telling us about the DACA workshops held at El Centro. And tonight, we welcome Joshua Green, one of our newest youth producers. We open up our program tonight with some music. Here is Safe and Sound by Capital Cities. Organizers in the Land of Enchantment, or OLE, is an organization dedicated to empowering working families in New Mexico. Along with many other organizations and small businesses, OLE has launched a campaign supporting paid sick leave for workers in Albuquerque. Now, let's join Generation Justice youth producer Pilar Manfiletto and Andrea Serrano, executive director of OLE, to learn more about the Healthy Workforce Ordinance. My name is Pilar Manfaletto, and I'm speaking with Andrea Serrano, Executive Director of Olay, Organizers in the Land of Enchantment. Andrea, welcome to Generation Justice. Will you please introduce yourself? I'm Andrea Serrano, and I'm the Executive Director of Olay. We are an organization that organizes working families to create an economy that works for all of us. And we do that in lots of different ways. We organize to make sure that every child has early education. We also organize around worker justice, so increased wages, and right now we are in the middle of our Earn Sick Days campaign. We also work with permanent residents who are becoming citizens. Um, we offer assistance in filling out the application. We also, you know, have classes where people can, can prepare for the exam that they have to take to become a citizen. And what's really important about that is that new citizens are also being organized around issues that matter to them, including earned sick days, but also immigration reform. And so we really work from a place of intersectionality. We also are working on democracy reforms, and so making sure that um, democracy is something that works for all of us. In, in our community, so whether that's through campaign finance reform or automatic voter registration, engaging young people, engaging communities of color, indigenous communities in voting, and so really looking at how are ways in which our members can really look at democracy, issues of democracy and own them. Who are the other collaborators with the Healthy Workforce Act? So the Healthy Workforce uh, ABQ Coalition is made up of Olay, but also Strong Families New Mexico, El Centro de Igualdad y Derechos, New Mexico Center on Law and Poverty, Center for Civic Policy, Southwest Organizing Project, um, you know, and then we have many, many other allies 
who have endorsed or who have put time into working on this campaign, Equality New Mexico, also the Rape Crisis Center of Central New Mexico, and Lasa Comunitario, all of these organizations have actually signed on as endorsers of the campaign, um, but the, the organizations working on it are the ones that I mentioned initially. We all do a lot of organizing with different types of groups, and so to have so many different types of groups represented in the coalition is really important. Um, New Mexico Center on Law and Poverty were great. They've been great. Um, you know, they really listened to a lot of what our members were saying, and then were able to craft the ordinance out of that. Um, you know, so this ordinance is rooted in our community. It comes from our members. It comes from, you know, the ideas that our members identified by saying, this is what we need. We're students, we're working parents, we have elders. Um, these are the things that we need. And the Center in Law and Poverty, New Mexico Center in Law and Poverty, actually took a lot of that information and created this really great ordinance. So what's your response to the narrative that this will actually hurt the economy and in particular small business owners? You know, I think that narrative gets used over and over and over again. It was used in, 20, in 2012 when the minimum wage was increased. Um, and it's always the same group of people who are saying it. And it's typically, you know, these business coalitions who all of them have paid sick leave. All of them have access to earned sick days. Why don't they want the community to have that? Why push this idea of, you know, fear and, and creating this image of a dystopian Albuquerque when in all reality, you know, earning one hour of sick time for every 30 hours you work is very reasonable. It's very affordable. It actually helps business um, in that, you know, employers are able to retain their employees you know, workers are able to have full paychecks. And what happens when you have a full paycheck? You put that money back into the economy. You're able to buy groceries. You're able to buy tires. You're able to get a haircut for your child or for yourself. You're able to buy shoes. You're able to buy that $80 textbook. Um, you know, you're able to put money back into this economy immediately. And so this idea that somehow healthy workers are somehow going to harm the economy Really what that is, I think, is it's uh, fear-mongering, and, and it isn't true. And what's really reassuring to know is that most people in our community also know that earned sick days is a really good thing because we have so much support for this ordinance. And so what we need now is that support to translate to votes. What we need is every person who thinks this is a good idea to actually go out and vote. What are some of the details of the ordinance? So workers can actually earn one hour of paid sick time for every 30 hours they work. For a business that has less than 40 employees, a person can earn up to 40 hours in one year. If a business has more than 40 employees, a, a worker can earn up to 56 hours in one year. That time can be taken to take care of a loved one, of an elder parent, of yourself if you're the one who's sick, um, it also includes a provision for survivors of domestic violence and sexual assault to be able to recover and take care of themselves, um, you know, to take care of anything like restraining orders or follow-up doctor's appointments. Being able to have that time is extremely crucial when a person has suffered a trauma. Um, what it also provides is that 
an employer cannot seek retaliation against an employee for taking sick leave. If I use my sick time, my boss can't fire me for using my sick time, right? That doesn't mean that an employer can't manage and can't fire someone if they have just cause to do so. If you are work late to work every day or you just don't call in for a week, um, any other reason that a person can get fired, that doesn't mean that your employer can't take action. It just means they can't target you specifically for using a sick day that you earned. I think what's really important to remember about this is that employees are earning their sick time. And many employers already offer some kind of earned sick leave or PTO. And if that's the case, if a person is, if an employer is already offering PTO or earned sick time that is a you know, it meets or exceeds what the ordinance is calling for, then they don't have to change anything. They can just keep their same policy. So why is this important to our community? You know, I think that having a healthy community is is extremely important, not just for our economy, but also this is just something, you know, in terms of thinking about how we take care of each other and how we take care of ourselves. Um, when I was little, I was really lucky that if my mom and dad had to go to work, I had my grandma who could take care of me. A lot of families don't have that now. If I'm sick, I don't want to be at work. I want to be able to take a day off and just and get better. And when I think about why this is important to our community, you know, the reality is Albuquerque's economy you know, is on a road to recovery. But one of the ways that you get on that road to recovery is by having healthy workers, by having workers who are able to take care of their families, take care of themselves, by having workers and employers who feel like they're respected, who are being treated with dignity in the workplace. That's why this is so important. It goes beyond being able to take a day off. It really is about having the dignity that you deserve as a human being. Um, who's a hardworking individual, which Albuquerque is full of really hardworking people who should have paid sick leave. Is there anything else that you'd like to add? Yeah. Um, so early voting is still taking place. It ends on September 29th. It's Monday through Friday. There's lots of locations. You can go to the Healthy Workforce Facebook page. So it's facebook.com slash Healthy Workforce ABQ, or you can just search for Healthy Workforce ABQ. And we have a list of early voting sites. And you can also vote on Election Day, which is October 3rd. There are voting sites throughout the city. You do need to have some form of ID. And it's on the city clerk's website, the different types of ID. But it can be a driver's license, a debit card. It can be any sort of type of ID that has your name on it. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm Pilar Monfaletto with Generation Justice. Andrea, this campaign is really inspirational. This will help a lot of people. And it, and the part that really stood out to me was supporting small business owners because my family owns a small business. Thank you so much for joining us, Andrea. This next song is Price Tag by Slater Kinney.
Our next guest, Mbambi, David Wom, has a background in public health and it's a founder and managing director of PG&S, a home health agency in Albuquerque. In addition to providing health care options for families, Mbambi is a member of Olay and works to advocate for rights of patients. And now, Generation Justice fellow Kateri Zuni joins Mbambi to talk about how issues like paid sick leave hit home. This is Kateri Zuni with Generation Justice, and today I'm speaking with Mbembe David Wom, who is the founder and managing director of PG&S LLC, a home health care provider. Mbembe, welcome to Generation Justice. Will you please introduce yourself and let us know about your agency? My name is Mbembe David Wom. I'm originally from Nigeria. I have been in uh, Albuquerque for 23 years now. I um, went to school here at UNM, and then further my education by going to Grand Canyon University, where I got my public health degree. And I've I've worked with the um, State Office of African American Affairs. I was their health outreach coordinator as a result of my background, but uh, it was briefly. So now I have my own company, a home health agency with health promotion initiative as a result of that background. So I'm very um, passionate about population health. Uh, I also sit with the PED to work on uh, young parents and um, single parents uh, initiative to find resources. Uh, currently, is one of the initiatives they're working on, so I've been doing that for two years now with them. Will you please tell us about the Healthy Workforce Ordinance? Having a healthy workforce is important. And I think when a family member is ill, you know, you should be able to allow your employees to have that time off. I also understand that there are other people that would take advantage to ruin things for, you know, a great many people. But, you know, um, the, the fabric of family is important. I think um, family is the reason why you have uh, certain employees that you have. And um, supporting that um, little organization of their origin makes a difference, you know. Um, sometimes it's not really about money. Sometimes it's about the fact that you have an employer who cares about you, you know. So allowing people to be able to take care of their loved one when the time uh, requires them to is very important. And why is something like paid sick leave or the Healthy Workforce Ordinance important to you personally? Uh, Having paid sick leave or family leave is important. Like I had said earlier on, the uh, fabric of a family is important. It's your origin, you know. whether we like it or not, you know, we take a lot from our families. If I am a decent person, it's because of that family. And if I'm not, it's also because of their family. And in an event where a family member has a health need and I am forced to choose between that family and the money that I have to make, you know, it, it isn't fair. You know, uh, and you know, you have to break a cycle at some point because if you're not decent to your employees, like I had said, you know, the cycle continues. You have toxic leaders because of what it is that they have gone through. You know, if as an employee who has no subordinate, I was not allowed to have paid time leave. And as I progressively get a promotion and I move up, I have subordinates. If they have that same need, I'm probably going to look back to the fact that I was not allowed to have this. Why should I allow somebody else to have this? But family is very important, and I think it begins from the top down. You know, uh, make sure that there's policy that people don't take advantage of it. 
But, you know, allow people if it's necessary because disease, you know, uh, it's a process, you know, and a loved one can make a difference in recovery. And I am strongly for allowing families to be there for their loved one if it's necessary. How do you think having the Healthy Workforce Ordinance approved will help New Mexican families? It is important, it is extremely important for businesses to offer these benefits because, you know, if you have an employee who is focused about a family, you're not going to have the best of them. You know, um, it is good to separate your personal needs, but, you know, a sick family member is not something that you leave at the doorway of the office. You know, um, you have to show that, you know, you care about your employee, not just because they come in from 9 to 5. If something is going on with their family member, you know, you don't have to be closely related to them, but you need to give them that time to go and take care of their personal business in that regard because when they come back to you, they come back whole. You know, they don't have a divided attention. You know, therefore, I think they will give you 100% of productivity in that regard. So that's, that's, it's very important that employers should consider that. As a founder of a business yourself, why is it important for small businesses to be able to offer these benefits to their employees? First of all, like I said, our population, majority of the people here um, don't have jobs. And the few that do um, have this benefit, you want them to be able to come to work equipped and with a clear mind. And loyalties don't come sometimes by how much you make, but enjoying to go to work and knowing that somebody has your back. And it's not just within the corporation alone. They have your back when something is going on at home. You know, uh, they don't need to know your business. But, you know, that allows you to have sort of like a family away from your family. You know, um, people will look forward to going to work and putting their best foot forward. You know, uh, it builds a community. And if you have less, but, you know, you're going to work and doing what you love to do, that's very important, you know, and it should alleviate some of the situation that we have in New Mexico, you know. Um, if you're not able to take care of your loved one or if you have to choose between your work, that in itself drives a wedge between families because they know, you know, if they don't go to work, you know, they will become unemployed or they will lose a promotion. So now they're having to choose between family and work, you know, and allowing this to pass will bring a healing and or a focus within the family, but also a direction of clarity for the person who is employed to know that, you know what, I have this benefit and I can't take this benefit. So I don't have to be so stressed about whether or not I have to choose between my loved one and my employer, you know. So um, I think it's a good thing for New Mexico to consider. What would your message be to policymakers or even political candidates regarding this issue? Our jobs, our careers are important, but our families are more important. You cannot have a holistic uh, employee if you don't consider their families. You know, if a family breaks up, you know, it's heartbroken. 
for not just the family, but who you have left. You know, we are social creatures for a reason. Because if we were not, then the family would not be important, but we are, you know. Going from that first organization, which is family, to working for somebody else is really no different. The only formality is that money exchanges hands for time and talent given, you know. But you can have um, a decent human being without considering where they're coming from. And family is very, very important. You know, um, America is dealing with a, a lot right now. The fabric of the family is... It's broken. So now you're having to choose between, you know, family and work, you know, and everybody is becoming more and more nucleated. And that is not the essence of a family. And to be that selfish, it breaks you away from that extended family that probably would have stepped in because now you can't afford to think about the extended family because you don't have enough to sustain extended family or let alone a simple support from them because now you're worried about your work and your work may not be enough to sustain you and the extended family. So I think this is forcing people to choose what level of involvement their families will be in their lives. Is there anything else that you would like to add? Like I said, I'm originally from Nigeria. We, America likes to say it takes a village. It's not just a good mantra. I, as an African, I leave a village. I, I don't just say it takes a village, you know. And as a single mother, it is that village that keeps me stable, you know. My sister is there for me. Um, my brother is there for me. My mom, everybody is involved. Family is very important. Although I leave over here in a foreign land, I still reach out to my family because that's what grounds me. You know, and it's important. Don't just say it takes a village. You have to leave it. And Bambi, thank you so much for joining us here at Generation Justice. I appreciate you taking the time to speak with us. For Generation Justice, I'm Kateri Zuni. And Bambi, I think the way you involve family really shows you care for your employees and the people you serve. Thank you for being here. Thank you again, M. Bambi. We picked a song that reminded us of strong women like we have just heard from. Here is Female Energy by Willow Smith. Welcome back to Generation Justice. Tonight, we discuss a number of issues that ultimately are about keeping our community healthy and safe. The Trump administration recently announced their plan to end Deferred Action for Childhood Arrival Program, or DACA. Community organizations like El Centro de Igualdad y Derechos have been on the ground for years seeking immigrants' rights and now are taking action. During September, El Centro has teamed up with New Mexico Immigrant Law Center to hold information workshops on DACA and protecting civil rights for DACA families. 
Marianne Mendez, civil rights and labor rights organizer for El Centro de Igualdad y Derechos, joins us tonight to help us learn more about these workshops. Here's Kate Rizuni and Marianne Mendez. My name is Kate Rizuni, and I am speaking with Marianne Mendez, civil rights and labor organizer for El Centro de Igualdad y Derechos. Marianne, welcome to Generation Justice. Will you please introduce yourself? Of course. Uh, thanks for having me here. My name is Marianne Mendez. I'm a civil rights and labor rights organizer with El Centro de Igualdad y Derechos. Thank you so much for joining us today. Can you tell us a little bit more about El Centro? Yeah, El Centro de Igualdad y Derechos is a nonprofit and immigrant rights and workers' justice organization with more than 4,000 members whom are low wage workers. Tell us about the workshops that you're hosting at El Centro. Right. Uh, given the urgency and the uh, recent announcements by this uh, new administration, uh, El Centro, as well as New Mexico American Law Center, joined forces so that we're providing the necessary resources to the community. And that looks like, uh, as a legal counsel, right, New Mexico American Law Center and El Centro decided to hold uh, legal clinics, free legal clinics about DACA for people to be informed uh, of what the decision means, the impact, and whether or not there's a possibility for them to renew. And just have all this information at hand, right? And also um, have the ability, ability to get some counsel by lawyers. Um, whether or not they are able to apply, then they are able to seek or see if there are any other administrative reliefs or any kinds of immigration reliefs that they are able to apply for. Wonderful. And can you give us some details about uh, where and when these workshops are? Yes, of course. Um, so every Wednesday from 1 to 5, and uh, we're hosting uh, legal DACA clinics. Uh, also, uh, we extended the hours on Fridays so that we're able to provide more uh, resources for the community. It's Fridays, 5.30 to 8.30, um, and it will be until uh, before the deadline of October the 5th. What would your message be to somebody who might be listening and who is undocumented and maybe is feeling uncertain, unsafe? What kind of message would you give them? Uh, first of all, for those that currently have DACA and are unaware of how to start or how to begin or whether or not they are able to renew or not, I would suggest to go to a legal clinic. Um, there are various legal clinics being hosted around the city, and they're able to get these resources. They would not have to pay a cent out of their pocket to, to get this legal counsel. So my recommendation is seek the resources that are already in the community, get informed. If you're able to renew and you want to renew, then go ahead. That Those resources are already available. And if you're trying to look into any other uh, relief and see whether or not you qualify for, then this is, a, this is a clinic in which you're able to get that information. And for all the uh, other members of my community that may be undocumented, whether they qualify for DACA and will not be able to renew or whether, whether they are already undocumented and didn't qualify for DACA in the, in the first place, I will say this is the moment in which we all should be uniting forces to push Congress, uh, but also push our decision makers locally to pass something more comprehensive, right? To pass something that actually includes our parents and to push for legislation free of enforcement trade-offs. We don't want protection for dreamers at the cost of our parents' deportation. And it shouldn't be based on that. It shouldn't be based, okay, we provide support 
for uh, certain young immigrants, but we, it's going to be at the cost of more enforcement at the border or the wall or the deportation of our uncles or our cousins or grandparents, right, our parents. Um, so when we're thinking about clean legislation, free of enforcement trade-offs, uh, we want 11 million undocumented immigrants to have some sort of a relief, a relief that will be permanent because we've been here in this country for so many years, contributing in many ways possible, um, including economically. Our contributions should be taken into consideration because it does shape how USA looks today. So because of that, we should be looking at how do we reintegrate our communities into society and I would say just get informed. That will be the step one. Step two will be take action. We're now ready to continue fighting, to resist and fight back, and we're here to stay. So we're not going anywhere. Just continue fighting uh, for legislation that's free of enforcement trade-offs. Thank you so much. And where can people go to learn more about the workshops or El Centro de Igualdad y Derechos? Right. So this clinic uh, will be hosted at El Centro de Igualdad y Derechos, which is 714 Fort Street, Southwest. Uh, you could also, uh, for more information, give us a call at 505-246-1627. Or you could go to our website, which is elcentronm.org. Or go to our Facebook, El Centro de Igualdad, uh, for any other information or ways to get involved. Is there anything else that you would like to add? I would just like to reiterate that um, if you have DACA and you want to see the possibilities to whether or not you can renew, please do so before October the 5th, which is the deadline to be any application be submitted around DACA. So please ensure that you have the information necessary to make an informed decision of whether or not you're able to renew or whether or not you want to renew. So please uh, look for any resources in the community that are going to be available um, and just get involved. Marianne, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate you coming here and also the work you're doing. Thank you. For Generation Justice, I'm Kateri Zuni. Marianne, thank you for informing us. These are very important workshops. Again, if you want information, you can call 505-246-1627. We follow this important community announcement with Let It Be by Black Mill featuring Vila. Generation Justice is an intergenerational project training youth between the ages of 13 through 25 to harness the power of media. Youth are at the core of the work we do. Recently, we welcome a new cohort of youth producers into our family. And tonight, we'll introduce you to one of our newest members, Joshua Green. Generation Justice intern Moises Villanueva joins Josh to learn more about his hopes and interests. I'm Moises Villanueva a youth producer with Generation Justice. I'm here with Josh Green, a new Generation Justice youth producer. Welcome to Generation Justice. Can you please introduce yourself, Josh? Yes, I'm Joshua Green. I'm 19. I'm 
currently in a play for Nightfall that I auditioned for, and I'm really surprised that I got the role. And I hope I continue to be a welcome presence in this program I am in. Tell us a little bit more about the audition and more about yourself. I moved here in 2001. I actually moved during the last seven years, these past seven years, about eight times. And uh, my family's really sparse in how they interact with each other. It's, it's really interesting to see how separate we can be, but also try to be united at the end. The audition is one of the very first I auditioned for outside of school. So it was very nerve-wracking for me, to say the least. But I, I managed to pull through, and I'm just glad I got a bigger role than one of those secondary characters or side characters. Why are you interested in generation justice? To be a better communicator, to understand what goes in to researching something, understanding what are the differences between an opinion and a fact, obviously, and how much you can learn from somebody at a different age. It opens your mind to be really, you got to have a keen sense of, I'm not the only one that's been through this. Sometimes I just feel that I need to be, I need to be vulnerable too. I can't just have this very tunnel vision viewpoint of, I think I'm right all the time, or I think that person's right. We can agree to disagree as long as it's very rational. I definitely agree with you that we all have to have an open mind and how we look at things. What got you to join Generation Justice? My friend Pilar, she recommended me and I figured gotta have a very different life. You gotta open your boundaries. You gotta explore new opportunities and you know, have fun with meeting new people and you know, be interested in a career that is associated with being close to being on the air or just performing in front of many different cultures, people, stuff like that. What skills do you hope to gain or strengths at Generation Justice? Being a better writer, being open to change, having a bigger perspective on what goes on in the world and learning how to interact with people better. Being able to, being a voice actor and learning how to perform on air or behind the screen without for the audience to know that, oh, I really like his voice or, hmm, I know that voice from somewhere. So it, you kind of just try, try to experiment with your voice, kind of just play around with it, try to sound nasally a little bit. You know, you're just, I like to experiment being in a different universe, being in somebody else and being able to express what I want to express and knowing your body and your voice and what works and what doesn't. Thank you for the answer. 
Do you think generation justice will play a role in your future career or skills that you develop? I think so. It's it's only a matter of time. And as much as I want to get into something, I I think this will really be a good opportunity to learn many things that I've never thought of before or even considered. Is there anything else you'd like to add? I don't want to be a stereotypical black African-American that doesn't know how to speak clearly or I'm not saying I'm going to be and I'm putting blacks in one place and whites on the other. I'm putting Latinos, Asians, everybody. I want everybody to be in the same category together. And, you know, you can disagree, but you know, that's what we fought for before. Why would you want to go back? Why would you want to repeat the past instead of moving forward and, you know, being open to change? Because many of us like to be oblivious of what's happening. That's why we need to expand our horizon and look forward and not be so tunnel vision that we don't see a light at the end of the tunnel. Thank you, Josh, for being with us. I'm Moises Villanueva with Generation Justice. Good night, New Mexico. Josh, first off, your voice is so cool, and I think you are very open-minded, and I thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing with us, Josh. We've come to an end of another great radio program. We'd like to thank our guests, Andrea Serrano of Olay, Mbambi David Juan from PGNS, and Marianne Mendez of El Centro de Igualdad y Derechos for your commitment to keep our community healthy and safe. And Joshua, welcome again to Generation Justice. Production assistance for tonight's show came from Weises Villanueva, Pilar Mifilado, Jonathan Alonzo, Kateri Zuni, and Roberta Rayel. And thanks to all of our youth producers, we cannot do what we do without you. Generation Justice would also like to thank you, KUNM, for helping to bring the voices of young people to KUNM Airwaves in New Mexico. Stay connected with us. Check out our website, generationjustice.org, where you can listen to all of our past radio programs, see music playlists, read our blogs, watch videos, and so much more. Our podcasts are available on iTunes, so be sure to go subscribe and rate us. We're also active on social media, so be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Generation Justice is funded by W.K. Kellogg Foundation with an additional funding from McCoon Foundation, Khan Elma Health Foundation, the Albuquerque Community Foundation, and of course all you who have contributed to our project by visiting our website and clicking donate. I'm Mu'tez Jabir. And I'm Ladella Awar. Coming up on KUNM is Spoken Word. So stay tuned and join us next Sunday at 7 o'clock. This is Mu'tez Jabir coming at you from Generation Justice. Good night, New Mexico. I find a funny Just keep running, but I can't 
catch this rise, it's always just further than I.